welcome to Mr. Eerie's trick-or-treat theories. This is the concluding special episode of the two-part story entitled The Fate of Macy Hollow, written by Aaron Robbins. If you haven't listened to part one, feel free to pause this story and play the previous episode, which is titled Story 8A, Start. There are a good many details and detours in that episode which may help this one make sense. And now the conclusion to a message left for Mr. Eerie by Macy Hallow. Thank you for calling Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency. In the unlikely event that your message was interrupted, please continue the account of your odd or unusual occurrence. All first-time callers should provide an address so further information can reach you free of eavesdropping ears. Now prepare yourself, for the beep waits for no one. Well, Mr. Erie, it looks like we got cut off. I think it happened right around the part about the corn maze. Was that it? Or did it cut off earlier? Who knows? Long story short, you could say Halloween was not my thing. So, of course, my friend August Sinclair took me to a corn maze the night before Halloween. We made a bet to see who could finish the maze first. If I won, we'd skip trick-or-treating on Halloween. If August won, I'd have to pretend to like Halloween for the rest of my life. Normally, I wouldn't make such a bet or even go to a Halloween corn maze, but August's birthday is the next day, and she starts getting her way the day before Halloween. August is nothing if not fair, so she gave me a head start. It didn't help much. After an hour of wrong turns and backtracking, I was lost. To make things worse, I spotted August on a path just a few corn rows away. She was headed straight for the last checkpoint and was clearly going to win the bet, forcing me into a lifetime of Halloween revelry. Or so I thought. Then I found a corn maze ticket on the ground, with all the checkpoints already stamped. It seemed like a stroke of good luck. Now I didn't have to finish the maze. I could just cut through the cornfield and show August my completed ticket. But when I came out of the cornfield, the ticket had vanished. So had everything else. The pumpkins, the corn cob ticket booth, the music, the smells, all gone. That's when full-scale panic set in. There were still cars on the road. That made me feel better. Not sure why, but it did. And as I walked to Cinder Park, there were still kids outside, some playing baseball and some running around the playground. That made me feel better as well. Although it was weird because none of them were in Halloween costumes. Also, I noticed all the carnival booths and tents were gone. I thought maybe they'd been taken down while I was in the maze, but that seemed unlikely considering the school carnival was scheduled to run through Halloween. There's a reasonable explanation, I said to myself. It all makes sense. I'm just missing some key details. A second later, I felt some sense of relief when I saw a kid in a costume walking toward me. Hey there, pirate, I said, trying to keep the mood light. Hey, the kid in the pirate costume said. Are you headed to the carnival? I asked. 
The kid raised a foam sword and pointed it down the concrete path like a captain showing me where the plank was. Baseball field, he said. Is that where they moved the carnival to? I asked. I could see in his eyes, well, I, a look of confusion. I don't think so, he said, but it is where the baseball game is. Well, where is the carnival? I don't know, he said. I'm just the mascot. At that moment, my fear returned. Where was August? Where was all the Halloween? I bolted from the park and ran to the school. It was late, so there weren't many people around. Worse, all the decorations that had been there that morning were now gone. That's not the only place Halloween decorations were missing from. As I ran across the street headed for my house, I noticed how clean and clear the sidewalks were. There were no hay bales, skeletons, or front yard cemeteries. It was like August and October. No sign of a holiday anywhere nearby. But I'll tell you what, Mr. Erie. The lack of decorations wasn't the weirdest thing I saw on my way home. It was the haunted house. The old abandoned property two doors down, with the chipped and splintered fence. Well, it wasn't haunted. Not anymore. It was just a house, with a white fence, green grass, and a perfectly intact porch. That's when I saw her. The old lady. She was on the front porch, sweeping. She was as tall as the broom she was pushing, with gray hair pulled into a tight bun. Her attire seemed like a costume, a black canvas gown with white lace collars. But as I watched her sweep, I could tell it was just her regular clothes. As I passed by, shadows from the house stretched toward the sidewalk, casting dark streaks onto the grass and fence. I looked at the porch and the lady sweeping. She looked up at me, and for a split second our eyes locked. Chills ran down my body like a waterfall of electricity. My pace quickened past the now unhaunted house. Soon I found myself running across our front lawn, hands outstretched for the door handle. Just before I slammed the door behind me, I noticed our car wasn't in the driveway. It was late for my parents to be out, but I had bigger things to worry about. Inside, I hurried to the kitchen and called August. The phone rang and rang. It felt like tossing a rock into a hole and waiting for it to hit bottom. Finally, the line clicked. But I could tell right away it wasn't August. It was an answering machine. You've reached the Sinclair residence. Neither James, Mel, nor August can come to the phone right now, so please. I didn't wait for the beep. I was in a daze, trying to process where August could be. Was she okay? I was certain she was. I mean, the phone rang. Her answering machine sounded the same as it always did. So I felt hopeful that when I tried again later, she would answer. The phone clicked into its cradle, and almost as soon as it did, it rang. With magician-like speed, I grabbed the phone. August, I answered. Where are you? But it wasn't August. It was my parents, my mom, actually. Hi, sweetie. How was school? She said in the most normal voice ever. I tried to tell her something was off. I tried to get words out that made sense. The house, I said. The house, it's... It's clean. I mean, it's not haunted. My mom let out a chuckle. Yes, I cleaned the downstairs, she said. But you've still got to clean your room. I took a peek inside and, I don't know, Macy, it looks haunted to me. Let's get those clothes in a closet or the hamper. I was so freaked out by what was happening, I wasn't able to form clear sentences. No, I said. The house, the sweeping, the broom. There was a pause, like my mom had been distracted by someone at the meeting. A second later, she returned. Yes, it'd be great if you swept. The broom is in the hall closet, and don't forget to eat dinner, she said. 
It's in the fridge. We'll be home late after the board meeting finishes. You never know how long these things will take. Board meeting? I asked. I know, I know, she said. We meet too often if you ask me. Last day of every month. Maybe we should make it the last day of every year. She laughed, said some more parenty things, and hung up. That last thing my mom said, it didn't register immediately. Last day of every month. But it wasn't the last day. There was one more. Tomorrow. Halloween. I checked the calendar next to the phone to see if my mom had noted the meeting. She had. There it was, October 30th. Board meeting. My eyes started shifting toward the right, toward the next date box. A feeling of nervous panic swelled up inside me. It felt like I was about to turn over a test I hadn't studied for to see my grade. But this wasn't a test. I looked at the date box next to the 30th. There it was. A big number one with the month November right above it. There was no October 31st. In a panic, I double-checked my school calendar and the small one in my mom's office. October 31st, Halloween, wasn't on any of them. Then I had a dreadful thought, the most terrifying thought I'd ever had. No Halloween meant no Halloween birthdays, which meant no August Sinclair. I rushed back to the phone and called August again. The answering machine played just like before. You've reached the Sinclair residence. Neither James, Mel, nor August can come to the phone right now, so please leave a message after the beep. Then there was a pause, then a dog barked. It sounded like a puppy. The people on the machine laughed. I think August the pup likes talking on the phone. Say goodbye, August, the male voice said. Two more barks and then a beep. I'm embarrassed to say this, but for a second I considered that August had been turned into a dog. Then I realized the truth, and it was much more chilling. I felt like throwing up. I felt dizzy. I felt like when your mom answers a phone call and you can tell it's bad news, but you don't know what it is exactly. This was a million times worse, though. It was worse because I just found out Halloween was gone, and my best friend was gone with it. She wasn't just missing. August, my best friend, had never existed because her birthday had now never happened. Halloween had been erased from existence and every memory and person along with it. I felt sick, like I'd eaten a lifetime supply of Halloween candy in a single bite. My body ached with nausea and the world began to spin around me. Then I heard our doorbell ring. Even though it seemed impossible, I hoped it was August. Your heart always hopes for the impossible, Mr. Erie, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I ran to the door, hoping to see my friend, but she wasn't there. When I opened the door, no one stood outside. But on our doormat lay a black envelope, the size of a greeting card. In gold letters across it, the envelope read, Trick or Treat. I jumped back, Trick or Treat. Ordinarily, this phrase wouldn't have surprised me, but I was now living in a world where there were no tricks, treats, or the option to choose between the two. The envelope felt heavy in my hand. It smelled like fresh hay, transporting my thoughts back to the corn maze for a moment. While I studied the envelope, I had the eerie sense someone was watching. Actually, I felt like everyone was watching me. This is pretty typical for teenagers, yet this felt different. It felt like I was on display, and I didn't like that. So I shut the front door and took the envelope inside to open it. The inside of the envelope was gold and shimmered like plastic wrap pulled tight over a plate. When I unfolded the black paper from inside, I saw a dozen lines of white text. 
It's probably best if I just read the note to ensure I relay all the details accurately. Trick or treat, boo, we say to Macy Hollow. The harvest path you didn't follow. Happy haunts have found you lazy. Sidewalks, stories, faces, mazes. You left the field, your turn was wrong. Now Halloween is lost and gone. Enjoy your month, one day less, or take the seed and pass the test. Trick or treat two doors down. Find me there in my black canvas gown. And that's what it said. Nothing more, nothing less. It's hard to know if you should take rhyming letters seriously, but I was taking this one as seriously as you could. Maybe it was the stock of the paper, the weight of the envelope, the writing, or the fact that it knew my name and that I had cheated at the corn maze. For whatever reason, I knew it wasn't a prank and I knew it was from the broom lady, the lady that had locked eyes with me from up on that porch in front of that haunted house, or the one that used to be anyway. I didn't want to go. For a few minutes, I paced around my house trying to think of an alternate plan or explanation. But the more I walked around my house, the more I saw things missing. Decorations, pictures, memories. I knew I had to go, and so I did. It wasn't a far walk to the once haunted house. When I was a kid, I'd counted the steps, wanting to know how far away I was from the ghosts I believed lurked inside. My steps are bigger now, but for some reason the house felt farther away. Fog had settled on our street, making it impossible to see the end of the block. I'm sure stars dotted the night sky, but they were hidden from view. It felt eerie, walking down a street where it was possible no one even knew what eerie meant. When I reached the house, the lights were off, save for an orange porch light. I can't believe I'm doing this. I whispered, clutching the envelope. Stepping off the sidewalk, I put my hand on the gate. It wasn't locked and opened with not so much as a creak. I climbed five wooden steps to a freshly swept porch. In the corner, I saw a broom with its curved wooden handle and black bristles. Looking at it made me feel uneasy, maybe even afraid. It felt like a movie prop or some hallowed artifact no one was supposed to see in person. When I saw the lady sweeping with it earlier, I never imagined I'd be this close to it. And yet, here I was on the porch right next to it. Affixed to the center of the front door was an iron ring. I lifted it and let it fall against a metal plate. I stood there for what seemed like an hour waiting for something to happen. Then finally, the handle turned and the door opened. She was shorter than I thought she'd be, the old lady. She stood in the doorframe a foot shorter than me and still dressed in the black gown. Trick or treat, she said. At a loss for words, I handed her the envelope. She took it with her left hand and extended her right, cupping it as if it held something of value. Macy Hallow, this seed is the spirit of Halloween. Hold it and think of your happiest Halloween memory, and all shall be restored. I extended my hand to receive whatever she was offering, but she hesitated to let go of it. Are you sure? she asked. Why? Is there some sort of catch? Will I turn into you or something? Are you an older version of me? She chuckled. No, no, nothing like that. Just hold the seed. Think of happy haunted thoughts and find the light. What light? I asked. The light of Halloween. I shifted uneasily. If I do this, I said, Halloween and its birthdays will return. She nodded. 
And what if I don't? She paused. Then this Halloween will be your last. I thought about this for a second. A world with no August was a world incomplete. I didn't care if this Halloween was my last. I just wanted to go back to beginning of the day, the carnival, even Mr. Tucker's class. Any of it would be better than where I was standing right now. This was my only chance. All I had to do was remember my happiest Halloween, and things would return to normal. How difficult could it be? I hadn't always hated Halloween, had I? I extended my hand, and the lady dropped a seed into my palm. The seed was the size of a penny, pale, flat, and shaped like a tear. As I looked at it, I thought, don't all seeds look like teardrops? Maybe that's because planting a seed means the loss of its source. I didn't know. All I knew was that I had lost something. The whole world had, in fact. And this was my one shot at bringing it all back. The flat, pale seed felt light and cool in my hand. I curled my fingers around it, pressing them into my palm. Think of Halloween, I said. Happy haunted memories. I closed my eyes, expecting a flood of trick-or-treat memories. But none came. The only thing I saw were crowds, scary decorations, kids snatching bags, smashing pumpkins and noises in the night. I started to panic. Didn't I have any happy Halloween memories? I thought back as far as I could. My first Halloween, my first time trick-or-treating, what was I dressed as? I couldn't recall. I remembered feeling hot and sweaty. Hadn't my mom made the costume for me? Yes, she had. It was warm and fluffy, made from felt. Then it came to me. My first trick-or-treat. I remembered my first costume and the first candy I received. I gripped the seed harder, so tightly that I lost my balance and nearly fell. Opening my eyes, I noticed the porch drooping. For a moment, the house looked haunted and abandoned. I panicked and loosened my grip on the seed. Immediately, the house's haunted appearance went back to new. You must keep holding the memory, the lady said. Hold on tight or something else might take the memory's place. I squeezed the seed again. So hard it felt as if it would cut my skin. The house flashed back to its abandoned state. Closing my eyes, I thought of my first candy pail. So heavy I couldn't carry it. And the effort my mom put into creating a costume for just one night. I held those memories tight and then suddenly, I was falling. Darkness surrounded me. I felt submerged but not underwater. I couldn't see anything. A second later, I heard the lady's voice and the creaking of boards nearby. My heart should have been pounding, but it wasn't. Inside, I felt empty, hollow. Then a sliver of light broke through the darkness. It got brighter as the edge of light grew into the shape of a circle. A second later, on the other side of the darkness, another slit formed, and more light flowed in. This light too became a circle. Then a triangle formed below the circles and an arch below that. Finally, I could see. I was still at the house on the old splintered porch, but my view was from only a foot above the planks. It was like I was lying down on my stomach looking out toward the street. But my vision wasn't normal. It felt like I was looking out of geometric windows from inside a dark room. Two circles, a triangle, and an arch. Like a face you'd carve into a... I paused and it hit me. My first Halloween costume was a jack-o'-lantern. I had been turned into a pumpkin, like the Amelia Victory from the story I wrote for Mr. Tucker. I was now a plant, and not just any plant, a jack-o'-lantern looking for light. 
The lady's warning echoed in my mind. If I didn't find the light, this would be my last Halloween. I understood what she meant. It'd be my last because I'd rot away, like a pumpkin on November 1st. I struggled to move but soon discovered the only thing I could change was the shapes of my face. Despair set in. What had this lady done to me? She'd cursed me to spend my final hours on this dirty porch. There was no light up here, and worse, no one was going to come up here. I mean, who trick-or-treats at an abandoned haunted house? I closed my eyes and thought of August, hoping she was now alive. Even if I was destined to rot as a jack-o'-lantern, I hoped that me taking the seed had done enough. I hoped she was out there, trick-or-treating, being her 14-year-old self. As far as our friendship went, I realized she'd been the treat. In so many ways, encouraging me to write, making me volunteer at carnivals, getting me to go into a corn maze, and assuring me we'd never stop hanging out on Halloween. Thinking of August, I felt something deep inside, where my squishy guts would have been if I had any. I felt a longing for Halloween, not in a negative, anxious way, but in a hopeful way, full of cold nights and warm hearts. I opened my round pumpkin eyes and realized I was smiling, and it must have been the biggest smile a jack-o'-lantern ever had. I looked out onto the street and saw Halloween in full swing. Groups of costumed children wandered the streets, their excited chatter filling the air. I saw little witches with pointy hats, superheroes with flowing capes, and mummies wrapped in old rags. They all looked wonderfully frightening and all of them were walking right past the haunted house. Most didn't even turn to look at it. Like me, yesterday morning, afraid to look because of what I might see. But I guess what I said was true. The more you try not to look at something, the more it feels like it's looking at you. Just then, I saw a trick-or-treater dressed as a ghost pause at the house's gate. Come on, I whispered to myself. Open it. Open the gate. It's not scary. It's just a haunted house with sagging stairs and a drooping porch with an unlit jack-o'-lantern on it. I smiled a welcoming smile as big as I could. For the first time, I didn't care if everyone was looking at me. In fact, I wanted them to. My heartless gourd skipped a beat when the ghost opened the gate and started walking up the pathway. Come on, kid, I thought. Have a heart. Take me home. Put a candle in me. I smiled wider. It felt like the orange skin wrapping my face might rip off. The trick-or-treater came up to the base of the steps and looked at me. Looks like your light's out, the trick-or-treater said. We can't have that. Not on Halloween. The ghost-costumed kid pulled the sheet back from over their body. I recognized him right away because there was a jack-o'-lantern with a silly smile painted on his cheek. It was Trevor, the kid whose face I'd painted at the carnival. He leaned over, and I thought he was going to pick me up but then his pail full of candy spilled over onto the steps. I wanted to help him pick it up, but I had no arms. And just then, I heard other voices from the street. Teenagers, boys. Hey, look, it's the crying candle kid, one said, pointing at Trevor. Oh no, boo-hoo. Did we make you feel bad about your costume? Had to go home and cut up mommy's sheets to try and hide? The teenage boys laughed as they teased Trevor. From a candle to dirty laundry, one boy said. With a costume like that, I don't think he deserves candy, said another. The boys opened the gate and approached the porch. I felt the boards creak below me as Trevor moved up the steps away from the group. As the group of teenagers got closer, one of them looked right at me. Is this your pumpkin? They asked Trevor. 
Oh my gosh, is this your house? Do you live in this dump? No, said Trevor. I was just trying to help. Okay then, so you won't mind if we smash it. My eyes widened. Smash me? Could they do that? I guess rotting wasn't the only fate a pumpkin might meet on Halloween night. I tried to yell. I tried to scream. But I couldn't. All I could do was try to look fearsome. But no one noticed. The boys were too busy staring down Trevor. Put it down, Trevor said. Put it down, please. Or what? Are you going to cry? One of the kids teased. No, you'll slip. You're standing on wax. Dude, you're not a candle, said one of the boys. You're a little kid with lame costumes. No, I mean you're standing on my wax. Just then I felt a light wisp of air. I looked over at the boys. One of them was reaching for me. He wrapped his hands around me and started to pull. But Trevor was right. They were standing on wax, vampire teeth, and smiling wax candy mouths that he'd spilled from his pail. The teenage boy slipped off the porch, knocking his friend down like bowling pins. They landed on the path below with thuds and cracks. I could see them getting up and walking away, but a second later, they were walking away upside down. Then they twisted again and were right side up just as they left the gate. I felt sick, like I was on an amusement park ride. That's when I realized it. The teenage boys weren't upside down. I was. I'd been pulled off the porch and was now bouncing down the stairs. Just like the boys, I hit the path hard. I felt my legs break. Well, not my legs, I guess, but my edges. I could feel the splintering in my side and light shining in from the new crack. I heard footsteps and saw Trevor come up alongside me. Are you okay? He asked. I couldn't speak. I was only a pumpkin. But I saw the drawing on his cheek, the one I made the day before. I focused all my strength and all my Halloween might and forced my face into the exact same silly expression. I knew it well, after all. I'd drawn it. Trevor smiled and touched his own cheek. You're my pumpkin, he said. The one on my cheek. You're my Halloween pumpkin. He picked me up and set me down onto a porch step, then reached into his pocket. Hold on, hold on, he said. I have something for you. From his pocket, he pulled out a felt flame. This is for you, he said. Every pumpkin should shine bright on Halloween. I felt myself being rocked back, and then Trevor placed the felt flame inside of me. It was soft and warm and made this hallow's hollow full of Halloween's light. My eyes went white, like a flash from an impossibly bright lightning strike. I felt myself rolling again off the steps, but it didn't hurt. Then I heard the sound of whispers passing by me, streaks of warm yellow light. A second later I could hear music, and the smell of kettle corn filled the air. The ground below felt soft and cold, and I was glad, relieved, no, ecstatic to see I was feeling that ground with human hands. I pushed myself up and then heard a voice from behind. You're lost! I turned around. I was in a cornfield at a dead end, and standing before me was August Sinclair. Admit it. You are totally lost, she said with a smile. I laughed a little laugh. I was, I said, totally lost. But now, I'm not. I ran towards August and wrapped my arms around her. I'm so glad you're alive. She laughed. What are you talking about? It's just a corn maze, Macy. I looked her in the eyes and said, Just promise we'll always go trick-or-treating. Oh, for sure, she said. It's on. Forever. You lost a bet, so you're stuck getting candy with me for life.
August led me out of the maze, and when we went back to the main area of Filbur Graves, I saw Trevor walking around in his candle costume. A group of teenage boys were gathering around him. August and I stopped walking. Hey, Trevor, I said. Trevor looked at me. I couldn't tell if he recognized me as the girl who painted his face or the pumpkin whose life he'd just saved. I made sure to say it loud so the boys near him could hear. Your costume is totally fire. Yeah, said August. Totally fire. He smiled, the kind of smile that made me know he was going to be okay. The next day was Halloween. I went trick-or-treating with August, and we got a lot of candy, and memories just as sweet. Before we met up, though, I made a stop. I walked to the haunted house and put a jack-o'-lantern on the porch. Inside, I placed a light so that everyone would know that haunted houses exist to keep the spirit of Halloween alive. So that's what happened, Mr. Erie. And I have to say, I'm a little concerned because Thanksgiving is coming up. And I like it even less than I did Halloween. I'm a little worried about being turned into a turkey. Do you have any advice for the upcoming holidays? Dear Miss Lantern, I mean, dear Miss Hallow, the holidays, I always say, are a vacation for the heart. Like a string of lights across the field of life, holidays serve as beacons of memory for what was and what will be again. For some, holidays are happy. For others, they are hard. Nevertheless, they are filled with the hope of a happy haunting, be that in candy, cranberry sauce, or a Christmas tree. This haunting, as I'm glad you learned, is not something scary. It's something sweet buried deep in your heart. What you encountered is known as a gather guard, collectively known as the Guardians of the Gatherings, a title which sounds too similar to another group and therefore has fallen out of favor. Many exist for all sorts of celebrations, Thanksgiving included. The neat thing about a gather guard is that wondering if you'll meet one ensures you never will. If that doesn't ease your worry, I would suggest baking pies. Nothing wards off holiday spirit sentries like something a la mode, in good standing. Mr. Edward Erie, Chief Uncoverneer, Mr. Erie's disturbing detective agency. While that concludes another message from Mr. Erie's mystery series, it's not the end of our appointment. If you've enjoyed this message and would like to keep independent detective agencies like ours happy and haunt-free, please leave a rating or review. If you're ready to take a deeper step into the world of Mr. Erie, consider becoming an Erie enlistee. Subscribers will be assigned at least two exclusive training episodes a month, taken directly from the hard-to-keep-on-shelves field guide entitled... Mr. Erie's Empty Book of Everything. Your career at the Disturbing Detective Agency awaits. Accept the challenge today by subscribing as an Erie enlistee in the Apple Podcasting app. Your support is more valuable than you know and would mean the world to our agents. Thank you for listening, and as always, we wish you an undisturbing day. Mr. Erie's Empty Book of Everything.